Heavenly Father, we've uh, encountered your Son, the risen Christ, this morning in song, in prayer. And now as we come to your holy word, we pray that you would help us to encounter your beloved Son, our Lord and Saviour, the risen King, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would uh, refresh us with your Son, that you would encourage us through who your son is and what he's done for us. And Lord, as we encounter your son, the Lord Jesus, that you would challenge us to keep living for him day by day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if you remember a time when uh, you went out for one thing but came back with something better. It happens all the time when my wife Angela goes out for groceries. Uh, On Friday, she went out to get some canned tuna for lunch, and she came back with a whole bag full of snacks instead. Last year, I went out to Ikea to buy some storage boxes, and I came back with a brand new barbecue from Barbecues Galore. (laughs) It happened in a big way in some of our holidays uh, in the last few years. Uh, We went up the coast uh, two Aprils ago for a break, and we came back with George, our dog. Uh, We went down the coast last year, and we came back with a four-wheel drive. (laughs) Well, today's encounter with Jesus, uh, we see this happen in a much bigger, better, and more unexpected way. You see, this paralyzed man encountered Jesus. He came for one thing, healing, but he left with something better, forgiveness of sins. As we keep going in our series in Luke, we fast forward a few chapters from last week, uh, but just to recap a bit of in between, uh, Jesus, he's not a baby now, he's an adult. Uh, He's begun his ministry in chapter four. In fact, He begins in style. He heads to the synagogue and he opens up Isaiah chapter 61. And he says to everyone in the synagogue, look at this chapter, I'm this guy. I'm the Isaiah 61 guy. Have a look at chapter 4 verse uh, 16. Uh, And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, Jesus, he says, I'm the guy. I'm the one God's promised here in Isaiah, the guy who will bring good news to the poor, freedom to captives, healing the blind, liberating the oppressed. I'm the one who will end brokenness and affliction 
and return joy and gladness, the year of the Lord's favor. And that's exactly what we see happening after this in chapters 4 and 5. We see healings, casting out demons. And as we get to today's passage, as we encounter Jesus here, this passage builds on what's been happening already. But it also steps it up a notch as Jesus shows his unique claim of authority for us to respond to. We're only looking at a selection of passages in term one, so if you're inclined, really encourage you to read around the passage every week. Today's story is pretty well known. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. And we're going to focus on three things about encountering Jesus today. And the first thing is that Jesus knows our deepest need. Some of you know the story. Uh, in March 2021, uh, I went to see my GP, my doctor. I needed to get my flu vaccine. Uh, but as I went through my checkup, it was clear in that appointment that the flu vax quickly became insignificant. You see, they tested my blood pressure. 200 over 110. That's pretty high. They thought I was a bit nervous. They tested again. 210 over 115. Still pretty high. They tested a third time after five minutes. 200 over 100. See, my doctor knew that my deepest need medically at that time wasn't really a flu vax. It was figuring out what was happening with my blood pressure. And here, Jesus, he sees this paralyzed man and he knows this guy's deepest need. We start in verse 17. Have a look. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, this verse sets the scene for us. So Jesus was doing what he does most in his ministry, not healings, but teaching. And we see some key details here that Luke wants us to note. First, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were present. This is the first time they appear in Luke's gospel. The Pharisees, uh, this group of people, they took Jewish religion seriously. They were rule keepers. They put a fence around the law. And one of the unfortunate results of this is they made this act of following God, uh, this relationship with God, all about an outward appearance. Also mentioned here the teachers of the law. They were experts in the law, like lawyers. And both of these groups were very high up and influential in Jewish society. And they, as we see in the other chapters to follow, opposed the ministry of Jesus. Second thing we note here, there's a huge crowd from every village in the area of Galilee and Judea and even from Jerusalem. There's a lot of verifiable witnesses here. And third, Luke says the power of the Lord was with him to heal. I think Luke's already highlighting Jesus' authority here. He's saying that Jesus is 
God's guy. The power of the Lord was with him. God's with him. He's this Luke 4, Isaiah 61 guy that will heal and free and liberate. Verse 18 keeps going. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Remember, this isn't a healing tent or a healing gathering. Jesus, he's in a house, and he's in the middle of teaching this large crowd. And a group of men uh, with a paralyzed friend, they come and try to get to Jesus. And we're not sure of this guy's background, who he is, how he became paralyzed, but it's pretty clear that this man, he needed and wanted healing. His friends wanted him healed. They'd heard about this Jesus guy, probably the healings from the last few chapters, and they went to great lengths pushing through the crowd, climbing a ladder onto the roof of the house. They were flat-roofed houses that they used to hang laundry on or to enjoy the sunset on top of. They went onto the roof and they lowered him down into the house. All this because they wanted Jesus to heal him so that he could walk again. You see, this paralyzed man, he just wanted to hear the words, you're healed, rise up and walk again. But instead, he gets this in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. This paralyzed guy just wanted to walk again. But Jesus, he knows our deepest need. It's not physical healing. Even in this man's paralyzed state, what he really needed was forgiveness of sins. You see, the greatest need of all humanity, the greatest need of yours and mine, it's not physical healing. It's not financial liberation. It's not breaking relational oppression. It's not even mental well-being. It's forgiveness of sins. Romans 1 says about humanity, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans 2 and 3 says that God judges sin and the judgment of sin is death and we're all under this. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, we're all sinners. We're all in need of forgiveness, of being made right with God. And Jesus, he knows our deepest, greatest need. Just a side note on this passage. Uh, this passage isn't saying that all illness is related to personal sin. Uh, sure, there are times where our sin results in sickness, but there's no direct correlation made here. 
And this passage isn't downplaying the needs of those physically unwell or diminishing the seriousness of his physical condition. Rather, Jesus here is identifying a deeper, bigger, badder problem. Sin. Our rejection and rebellion of God and a God-centered life. And it results in separation from God, judgment and eternal death and darkness. You see, sin is real. And it's the deepest, biggest disease to ever grip the world. Bigger than COVID or any disease or pandemic. You see, Jesus knows our deepest need. That's why he came. That's what the Isaiah 61 guy who heals and frees, who brings good news, ultimately comes to take care of. And that's where we come to next. Because Jesus not only knows our deepest need, Jesus has the unexpected cure. Let's have a look at verse 20 again. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. There's a few questions here that we're not going to spend time on, like whose faith is Jesus talking about? What does faith mean here? Uh, We'll highlight it later in one of our future passages. Uh, We don't hear much about the response of the paralyzed man, but I think you can imagine the guy and his friends, they're probably pretty surprised. They're probably a bit taken back because it was so unexpected on many levels. You see, we're not sure. Uh, But it's possible that uh, the man and his friends, uh, they felt a bit ripped off. We wanted physical healing. We wanted our mate just to walk again. We broke this roof for this purpose. But what's this forgiveness of sins business? But the key response that we actually get, uh, the one that Luke highlights, is actually from the group we saw in verse 17, the Pharisees and the scribes. I think that's actually the most important response here, and that's what we find in verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who's this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? These guys, the Pharisees and the scribes, they sound like your classic armchair critics, uh, but actually the response is correct in some ways, but also incorrect at the same time, because it's true. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Our sins are primarily against God, and He's the only one who can forgive us and make us right. But instead of being curious, they react, they judge, they come to a quick conclusion. He's not God. He's blaspheming. And it's in this back and forward that we see the key point that Luke brings out. We see Jesus' reply in verse 22. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? Jesus, he doesn't overhear them. Something supernatural happens. Jesus knows their thoughts and he responds to them. He asks them a question. What's easier? Forgiving sins or saying to a paralyzed guy to rise 
and walk. I actually think Jesus is being a bit tricky here because we know in reality it's more difficult to forgive sins. But for the crowd and the audience, it's actually easier to claim to forgive sins because there's no proof of authority. It's an invisible work that we can't see. Whereas healing, there's visible proof of authority. It's clear that you're healed or you're not. Jesus keeps going, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Jesus, he uses this occasion to go, okay, I'm going to show you my authority. And he identifies himself with this phrase as Daniel's son of man. It's from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And this passage says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven, He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. This guy, the son of man, the one like a son of man, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You see, son of man, this human-like figure who's given all authority from God, including authority to heal and authority from God to forgive sins. So Jesus shows that he has authority from God to forgive sins by doing the visible work, healing the man, to prove that Jesus can also do the invisible work, forgiving sins And if Jesus has all authority, the healing work proves his claim that he can also forgive sins. And we see here the response of the paralyzed man to Jesus. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. You can imagine uh, between those two verses, the crowd all around Jesus, they hold their breath for a moment. The Pharisees, the scribes, they wait to condemn Jesus as a liar and a blasphemer. It's the moment of truth. And then this guy, once paralyzed, he gets up, picks up his bed, and he goes home glorifying God. And all of this shines the spotlight on the authority of Jesus. You see, Jesus is truly the Daniel 7 son of man, the one with all authority from God, the one who looks and sounds and even smells like God himself. And Jesus, he's also the Isaiah 61 guy, the one who Jesus himself claimed to be, the one who'd bring good news, who'd heal and liberate and break the chains of oppression, including sin. You see, Jesus has the unexpected cure. Forgiveness of sins, 
a cure for our deepest need, a cure that only God himself can offer, a cure offered by Jesus, who has all authority from God and seems to be God himself. We often come to Jesus because of different things that led us the first time to church. Maybe it's because your family were going to church. Or because you're looking for friends and community. Because you're trying to meet a life partner even. Because you're dealing with grief, confusion, valleys in life. Maybe you're attracted to church because of its good morals. Or maybe because of that emotional high. We may even come to Jesus for different things today. Because he's a good teacher. An example of love an unfailing friend for belonging, to get right doctrine and morals, for empowerment, for healing, wholeness, well-being. Well, above all of these things, we're to remember that we ultimately come to Jesus because he provides the cure for our deepest need, a cure that's sometimes unexpected, not what we were looking for in the beginning, but a cure that Jesus gives and freely offers to each of us. Forgiveness of sins. You might call it atonement, liberation, freedom, justification, even propitiation, a big word that Tim used this morning. Forgiveness of sin. You see, Jesus' mission as the Isaiah 61 guy, Daniel's son of man, is to free us from the chains of sin and death. And he does that by dying in our place on the cross and rising victoriously into new life forever. You see, Jesus offers us what we deeply need, forgiveness of sins, as we come to Jesus and accept him as Lord and Saviour, as we're united in Jesus in his death and resurrection, benefiting from Jesus' saving work as we abide, remain, and stay connected to him day by day. As all of us encounter Jesus today, we need to know that Jesus has the unexpected cure that we all need forgiveness of sins. So what happens next? Well, quite ironically, the Pharisees and the scribes, they've got nothing to say. They disappear uh, from the story. They're silenced by the authority of Jesus. And the spotlight turns back to the man who's just been healed. Repeat verse 25. It says, And immediately he rose up before them, and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. This man, Luke says it so bluntly, he rose, went home, and went glorifying God. And I think that's interesting. He gave glory not to Jesus, but to God. Something must have clicked here, seeing Jesus' authority and miracle It results in glorifying and praising God. I think it shows that it crossed this man's mind 
that this Jesus guy, he must be from God. His authority is different, strange, out of this world. Maybe he really is Daniel's son of man, this Isaiah 61 guy. And if this is indeed true, it's not just Jesus, it's God that ultimately deserves the glory. And then we get the crowd's response in verse 26. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. We get a pretty colorful description here. Amazement seized them all. The Greek word is one that we get our word ecstasy from. They were ecstatic. Overwhelming excitement gripped all of them. They glorified God, the same response as the healed man, and it's directed to God again, not to Jesus. And they were filled with awe, that mix of fear and wow. They had seen extraordinary things. The word extraordinary means strange, unusual, not normal, not ordinary, but extraordinary. We've seen someone with authority to forgive sins. And as we read this passage today, as we encounter Jesus that Luke recounts for us, I think we have to respond to Jesus too. We have to respond to the one with authority to forgive sins. We're forced to answer, is Jesus a blasphemer? Or is he God himself? Does he have authority from God or not? Is he able to forgive sins or not? And if he is able, do you think you need forgiveness or not? Because if Jesus does have authority to forgive and you think you do need forgiveness, God's word calls you to come to Jesus, to accept his offer of forgiveness won at the cross in his death and resurrection, to hear the same words of Jesus as the paralyzed man did here, your sins are forgiven. For many of you here this morning, if you've experienced forgiveness in Jesus already, look at the response of the crowd. How do they respond? They give glory to God. They're filled with awe, knowing that we've experienced something strange, something unusual, something extraordinary in Christ Jesus, something that you can't experience or get anywhere else, only in Christ alone, forgiveness of sins only in Jesus. Is this how you respond to Jesus' work of forgiving your sins, giving glory to God, filled with awe and amazement, even to the point of being speechless, flabbergasted, brought to your knees because Jesus has forgiven your sins? Because brothers and sisters, we never move on from forgiveness of sins in Jesus. 
the reality of forgiveness and new life. The responding to this gracious gift of forgiveness is not just a once-off thing. It's a lifelong journey of staying with Jesus until eternity. Rory Shiner's just released a new book called Forever Forgiven. Uh, he says about this book, my particular heart is to make sure the joy, energy, thrill, stamina, and endurance that come from understanding the death of Jesus and forgiveness of sins through that make their way out to every nook and cranny and detail of our lives. You see, we are forever forgiven, once for all at the cross of Jesus, but this forgiveness is worked out in all entire parts of our lives day by day until we see Jesus face to face in glory. So as we finish off, what's on your mind today? What's your deepest need right at this moment? It might be to get to morning tea and the good food there. Maybe it's to think about what's for lunch. Maybe it's about all the things that are coming up in the week ahead. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a work project or that frustrating guy or girl in your office. Maybe it's a broken relationship with a family or friend. It could be paying the bills. Maybe your body is slowing down. Maybe it's something to do with your kids or your grandkids. It's so easy to forget that our deepest need, our greatest need, our ultimate need, it isn't physical, financial, material, relational, even mental or emotional, but it's a spiritual need. It's between us and God. It's to have your sins forgiven. It's to be made right with the holy creator, God. And today's passage reminds us of this and points us to an unexpected cure. This man wanted physical healing, yet he walked away with something better and deeper and more profound, his greatest need dealt with, forgiveness of sins. We all have our problems, but our greatest problem is spiritual. We're all sinners, in need of forgiveness. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. In a spiritual sense, we're all lame, crippled, and broken in sin. And the good news of Jesus as we encounter him is that he is able to deal with our sins. He has authority to forgive sins. And ultimately, he's dealt with our sins at that old rugged cross where he died that we might live, and he lives that we may never die. You see, Jesus offers to us forgiveness of sins. All we need to do is come to Jesus. No matter how bad you think you are, or how enormous your sins are, or how far 
from forgiveness you think you are, come to Jesus and ask for what he freely gives, what he has authority to give. And if you've asked and received already, you're to glorify God day by day, to be in constant amazement and awe. God has forgiven you in Jesus. He's paid the penalty that you deserve, that as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. And that's something to glorify God about, friends. That's something to live in light of day by day. We read Romans 3 verse 23 before. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Praise God that in verse 24 he continues. And all are justified, made righteous, forgiven freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus as he died for us. You see, Jesus has authority to forgive sins and he's won forgiveness at the cross. Just as the hymn says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Let's pray in thankfulness for forgiveness of sins in Jesus. God, our good and gracious Father, we thank you that even though we've all sinned and fall short of your glory, you did not leave us to ourselves. Instead, you sent Jesus, the Isaiah 61 spirit-anointed liberator, the Daniel 7 son of man with all authority to win forgiveness of sins at the cross and offer forgiveness to sinners in need of a saviour. Whether it's the first time or for the thousandth time, Help us to see forgiveness of sins as our deepest spiritual need and respond to your offer of forgiveness and life in Jesus. Then help us to glory in your salvation day by day, never moving away from the foot of the cross of Jesus, our Saviour and King. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.